Welcome to The Courage Effect. I'm Suzanne Weller, and this is a show about growth and unleashing what's possible. You will hear inspiring stories about what courage looks like, how we navigate what's getting in our way, and the opportunities that surface when we choose courage over comfort. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. It's Suzanne. Welcome to The Courage Effect. I hope that you all had a wonderful Thanksgiving and that you are enjoying the rest of the year. It's going to be going fast, but there's a lot happening in the next couple of weeks. And I send you all good health and good thoughts as we embark on this final month of the year together. So today is a solo show with me. And one of the things that I want to be talking to you about today, I thought that this would be quite appropriate is what I call courageous conversations. A big part of the work that I do at my company, Weller Collaboration, is I actually work with individuals and teams and organizations to have better conversations with each other, to communicate more effectively. And I will do coaching in this regard. I'll do some team dynamics. I'll do workshops and otherwise. But one of the things that I realize, especially at the holidays, is that it's a time where we're seeing a lot of family, we're seeing friends, maybe people that we don't see on a regular basis, and it can be stressful. I mean, I've had a couple of conversations with people just about Thanksgiving and some of the conversations that they had over the dinner table, and they can be something that brings up a lot of anxiety in our world, and the stakes are actually pretty high. So I thought that today I would give you some ideas or at least open up a conversation about hard conversations or what I call courageous conversations. This is the courage effect at the end of the day. So I wanna have some time to talk about what are the conversations that we are not having? Why aren't we having these conversations even though we really do need to be having them? What is getting in the way of us actually having a productive, courageous conversation? and what we can potentially realize by engaging in this conversation. How do we do it? Why does it matter? And what do we do on the other side of it? What are we going to be able to achieve? Let's face it, a lot of hard conversations, I mean, they're hard for a reason, right? We, we don't want to engage in them. We are talking about something that's sensitive. We're talking about something where you know the stakes might be high, it's uncomfortable. So let's actually, first of all, start with defining what I call a courageous conversation. I call them exchanges where the stakes are high and they are day-to-day -day conversations. They don't have to be these massive big events. Sometimes they might be, but they are those conversations that we're having, those exchanges where we have the ability to create change. What do I mean by that? It's a matter of having a conversation with somebody where you can share your way of thinking, where you're coming from in a conversation, maybe giving them some idea into, you know, some visibility into who you are, what matters to you, and in turn, asking the same of them. Because a conversation, obviously, is a two-way street. It's not something that we are doing on our own. It is not a single event that happens. It is something that we're doing with another person and that we're actually creating a dialogue. And when we talk about creating change, it can be moving a relationship forward. It can be you know, having that insight as we talked about before. It can be putting something uncomfortable and awkward on the table to be able to make a decision or to actually move forward with something or not move forward with something. So that's the first part that I really encourage people when you're going to have a courageous conversation, prepare. 
It doesn't mean that you have to invest in massive preparation for this. It just means putting together some notes, putting some framework around the things that you want to talk about and what you really want to make sure that you achieve on the other side. This will give you a much higher percentage of having a successful conversation. And the other reason why you want to do this is because these are also, because they're courageous conversations, these are ones where we are getting emotionally invested. We are potentially going to be getting triggered. We're going to be hooked on something where we're not necessarily being able to see the forest for the trees in an effective way, or be able to really listen effectively to what somebody is sharing with us because we are sitting in some emotional stew and we're not really listening. So the more that we prepare, the more that we have an idea of not only what we're going to share, but what we're going to ask of that person, what they can potentially share with us. Obviously we can't plan everything that's going to happen, but we can have some expectation of what might be coming at us and how we might be able to respond to that. So preparation is definitely the first thing that we need to be thinking about. And a big part of this too, is when we go into conversations, we want to make sure that we are not going in and blaming somebody for something where you're not going in and immediately pointing a finger. We are not coming at this from the lens of somebody did something to you. Maybe they did. Maybe that's the conversation that you need to have with somebody. But if you are actually engaging in that conversation, you're going to start with what is the outcome that you want? What do you want to achieve on the other side of this dialogue? So maybe that is calling attention to something that somebody said that upset you. Maybe it is asking for something to happen differently or for something to never happen again. But it's really important for us as we go into these exchanges to own where we are coming from and to own our emotions. There's a really wonderful book called Nonviolent Communications by Marshall Rosenberg. And there's a whole way of thinking around this. Maybe you've, you've heard of it. There's a program, you can do trainings. Um, I know people that have actually said that this is a tool that has saved their marriages, that saved their relationships. I use this on a regular basis when I'm putting conversations together, both professionally and personally. And I also use it with my clients. So I, when I, it's teams, when they're actually having conversations with each other, I give it to them as a structure to make sure that they're having productive conversations that they're not getting too emotionally sucked into and that they're actually able to achieve something new and build the relationship with their colleagues. So with nonviolent communications, the most important thing to start with is the emotion. What are you feeling? And the person that you're going to be having this conversation with, what are the behaviors that they are doing that are creating the emotion in you? So what I mean by that is that, you know, we don't want to blame the person for something. We don't want to say, you make me feel unwanted. You make me feel worthless. We want to call out a specific behavior that the person has done. Maybe it's something that they said to us. Maybe it's something that they did. But the whole premise of it is to start with when dot, 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 and then you bring out the behavior. So when you go, when you walk by me and you don't acknowledge me, and then you move into your emotion, I dot, 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 I feel unappreciated. I feel disregarded. I feel unacknowledged. I feel worthless. 
So what you can hopefully pick up on there is I am calling out the behavior and then I'm saying the result of that is that I feel this way. I'm not saying you make me feel worthless. I'm saying when you do this, I feel like this. The next part of that is you're actually, so you're bringing attention to the behavior and how it's manifesting with you. The final part in this trio is then to put your request at the end. So, and your request might be, so when you walk by, can you please acknowledge me in some way, if it's eye contact or you know whatever it is, or can we have a conversation about what's going on here? Maybe that's the request. Maybe you're not asking for a very specific behavior, but you're asking to actually engage in a conversation about it. This is a simple structure, again, nonviolent communication, highly recommend the book. Um, there's so many YouTube reference or resources for it. There's all sorts of people that practice this in different ways. And you can go a lot deeper with it, but it really allows us in advance to acknowledge the emotions that we are feeling. So maybe it was a Thanksgiving conversation about, you know, I'm I'm dreading seeing somebody because their politics are very different than mine. I'm dreading seeing somebody because they said something to me last year that really upset me, that really got me, got me mad. But if you spend a little bit of time in advance thinking about that, it gives you the opportunity to really acknowledge where you're coming from, what emotions you are feeling, and then being able to have a conversation in a way where you're not blaming the person for how you feel. But again, you are decoupling the person from the behavior. So you're saying, when you do this, I feel like this, as opposed to you make me feel mad. You're making me mad. These are techniques that are really based in mediation. They are, it, it's a structure that is based in opening a conversation where people are not going to be on the defense. And it can work quite significantly. I mean, really effectively. I'm amazed at when I've done it. And sometimes maybe you need to ask for permission to somebody, you know, to say, can you just give me a minute to, to share something when we're about to have this conversation? And maybe you need to ask to even have permission to have the conversation at all, because sometimes people aren't ready for it. And if they're not, you can't force them to be. And maybe you want to even ask, if is this the time to be able to do it? And if not now, maybe later. But I really want to encourage people to think about conversation is something that happens between us and at least one other person. It is a shared exchange. It is something that gives us an opportunity to build bridges to be able to realize something on the other side, to move beyond conflict, to move beyond anger, or maybe just to understand each other a little bit better. And it also allows us to advocate for ourselves because it's, you know, we have so many emotions, there's so many things happening. We are in a world that is, feels like it's on fire right now. And in some places it literally is. These are difficult, challenging times. We are all carrying a lot of stress around with us, a lot of anxiety a lot of sadness, grief, loss. Um, and also the other side of this, there's also for some people, a lot of happiness for th good things that are happening in their lives, positive life changes. But we are emotional beings and it's important for us to at least recognize what we're sitting in every day, the good, the bad, and how that's impacting how we're showing up with other people. So when we're engaging in conversations, when we want to have that courageous conversation, we need to own our contribution. What is our part 
to the relationship, to the exchange that we're having with somebody, and at least accept, you know, this is how I'm feeling. Again, you're not making me feel this way, but these activities or these behaviors are doing that. It's a very simple technique, one that I, as I said, use all the time. And I'd be curious to know if you give it a try, what works for you. But just having this preparation and then going into the conversation, trying to, I mean, you can even say like, this is, this is going to be emotional for me, owning where you are. You cannot be courageous without being vulnerable. We know this. We know this from Brene Brown and we know this in general. We have to go out of our comfort zone to be courageous. So I'm curious from all of you, and we're going to cut to a break in a minute. What are the conversations that you want to be having? Maybe there is one before the end of the year that is sticking out there. Maybe there is something that you're, you know, that you're brushing under the rug that you don't really want to acknowledge. But as you look towards the holidays and the different exchanges that you're going to have coming up, what might be a conversation that you need to have? So let's take a break. When we come back, I want to talk about what might be getting in the way of us even having these conversations. And, you know, for those of us that have avoidant behavior, we're just going to stay away from it. Let's spend a little bit of time talking about where we're coming from, understanding why we're avoiding it, and getting rid of that pre-conversation dread. So this is Suzanne. You're listening to The Courage Effect, and we will be right back. Hey, everybody. It's Suzanne from The Courage Effect. As the seasons changed, I poked into my closet and discovered how stale my wardrobe had become. Everything felt boring, and I wanted something different and fresh. I grabbed my laptop and remembered armoire. Why not clothing rental? I could experiment with new styles from jeans to something fancy without spending a ton of money and buying clothes I would only wear a handful of times. Armoire makes clothing rental easy. Build a perfect seasonal wardrobe with brands that are unique, sustainably sourced, and owned by women. All you have to do is take the style quiz, select items from your personalized closet, and they will ship them straight to your door. Armoire allows me to indulge in high quality designer clothing with no guilt. They promote sustainability with fewer items ending up in the donation bag and landfill and no dry cleaning fees. Trust me, your cramp closet and the environment will thank you. If you're ready to have your dream closet delivered to your door, you must try Armoire. And right now, my listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style, that's A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style, slash the courage effect to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try armoire today. Easy on the ears, good for the soul. Alternative Talk 1150. Hi, everyone. It's Suzanne. Welcome back to The Courage Effect. So our conversation today is about courageous conversations. Um, I, especially with the end of the year and the holidays being we're smack dab right in the middle of them right now, you are going to be having some exchanges with people that might be uncomfortable, that might be hard. Um, and these, I think it's good to have a toolkit or at least to do a little bit of maybe preparation for how are you going to move beyond that pre-conversation dread and embrace what might be possible on the other side of it. So I really want to, we've started talking about ways to be able to reframe the conversation. What can we get out of it as opposed to, you know, what, what fires or what are the things that maybe we're going to set off? What is the possibility if we engage in these conversations effectively? 
I had gone through some examples from nonviolent communications from Marshall Rosenberg, which is a fantastic book with just some ideas of how you can use simple frameworks in order to have conversations where you're really owning your emotion and you're talking about behaviors and you're not blaming the person that you're having the conversation with. So one of the things that really strikes me about how important it is to be having these conversations is to understand what is potentially getting in our way of having them. And a lot of the times it's really emotional stuff, right? It's something that we don't necessarily, we, we're not comfortable with, we are afraid for some reason, or we just feel like it's it's not necessarily something that we want to deal with even though deep down we know that we need to be having this conversation. So there is a great book, I'm going to quote yet another book, um, from Sheila Heen and Douglas Stone, and it's called Thanks for the Feedback, The Science and Art of Receiving Feedback Well. There is a great quote from this that I'm going to read to you. Our triggered responses are not obstacles because they are unreasonable. Our triggers are obstacles because they keep us from engaging skillfully in the conversation. I love this quote because when we just own up to the fact where it's going to be an emotional experience for us and we know that things are going to trigger us. And that doesn't mean that us getting emotionally responsive is a bad thing. In fact, it's normal. It just means that we're human. This is how our brains are wired. We're going to get emotional about things. It can be really beautiful and it can also be really um, hard and not so beautiful at different times. So when you're actually preparing for the conversation and when you're engaging in it, there's a few things that I think are helpful to be able to best assess how you can understand what might be getting in your way of having an effective conversation with who you're going to be having it with. So do you potentially need to be liked? Do you need to be in control? Maybe you need to be right? Or maybe you have a need to maintain harmony. All of these things are very, um, I mean, these are these are innate to us. These are like our ego. These are the things that really drive us. And we all know people where, you know, like there's the pleaser tendencies. People really want to be liked. They want to please. That is something that maybe they're telling you, you know, they're yes people. Maybe they're telling you things that they don't believe just to make sure that they're not ruffling any feathers. And I would go even further to say that last question about maintaining harmony. This is one where, you know, you, you just don't want to make waves. You want to make sure that things are status quo. The challenge there is that it's artificial harmony. You're not actually creating something that is calm. It's that you're not actually acknowledging what is there. So is there a way that you might be able to actually dig in and address it, have the conversation to really and truly create harmony by bringing up some of those dissenting ideas or opinions or beliefs. Then if we talk about the need to be in control, that's a big one, right? People who want to be the fixers, people that want to make sure that they can control what's happening, that they are on top of it. Or, and then there's the need to be right. And this is one where a lot of us, if we really, you know, think of ourselves as experts, if we think of ourselves as really, you know, knowing the right answer a lot of the time, that can be something that is obviously very, all of these things are really validating to who we are, who we are as people. And I ask you these questions because this is where some reflection comes in that can be really pretty powerful, but we need to have an idea with ourselves of where we might be coming from. I have had numerous conversations over the past couple of years 
with people that have been struggling with different things in their lives. And I do tend to be a fixer, which of course is one of the things that I have had to really move away from being a coach to really work with people to find their own answers as opposed to me fixing it for them. When we are going into a conversation, a courageous conversation, our goal is not to fix something. Our goal is to have a conversation and address something to potentially open up possibilities on the other side. We might have an idea of what we want that to look like, but if we come in with the fixer mindset, then we're, we're, we're going to be bringing our own agenda in and we're probably not listening effectively to the person who is sharing with us. So even if we think it's coming from good intention, it isn't necessarily putting us in the best headspace to come up with a good dialogue and to be really present for what's coming at us. Because a big part of this is not just what we're saying, but what we're receiving. How actively are you listening to the person that is sharing with you? Are you allowing them to share their opinions without getting defensive? That can be a really hard place to be. What are the things that we can potentially do to listen to what people need rather than what they think? That coming from that point of view is more about compassion. It's more about empathy. It's how you're able to come into that space where you're truly listening to what somebody is bringing to you, as opposed to just going straight in and having your agenda. These are the things that I think, you know, as we start to get an idea of, okay, where might I be here? I'm, I'm really dug into this idea. Where might this be working against me to have a good conversation with somebody? Where might I be, you know, I don't like to necessarily say in the right or in the wrong because that is judgment-based. What are the things I'm doing that maybe I could be doing differently? I could be doing more effectively. I could be doing better. Or maybe you're asking that of somebody else. But if you're getting again into that whole right or wrong, then we can go into, you know, the need to be right. The need to be right, that only gets us so far, right? I mean, like, what is it, a badge of honor or like the truth? The more that we search for that, the more that we are in this empirical mindset. And given there are definitely times where we want to make sure that things are true, that things are correct. But when you're having a conversation with somebody, an emotional conversation, I encourage you to veer away from that because it will put you in the mindset of just wanting to prove your agenda. A lot of this is about how do we potentially detach from outcomes? And what I mean by that is that you're not telling the whole story of what is going to happen in the conversation. You're not going to connect all of the dots and say, this is what's going to happen. Something is going to come up that you don't expect. And that is good, but it doesn't mean that it's easy. But if we get to the point of, you know, we have an idea of what is our objective of the conversation, it doesn't mean that we are going to do everything that we can to get that outcome or to get that objective. Courageous conversations are about having a dialogue with somebody. Yes, we want to make sure that there is a goal on the other side of it because we are entering into this conversation. But what that person might bring to you, maybe it's something you don't expect. Maybe you're going in and you know, you're calling attention to somebody's behavior and then you find out that there's something else going on in their life that you had no idea that's resulting in them behaving in a certain way. So let's step back from being right, from being control, and also from being liked because yes, these are hard conversations, but the more that we can be present and the more that we can meet somebody on common ground, 
and open up that dialogue and give that space, you know, I mean, we, you know, you want to create psychological safety for people to be able to share. This is where magic things can happen. And this is also where we are able to get out of our own way. We don't necessarily know what's going to come at us. We are listening to learn as opposed to listening to be right or to fix or to, you know, whatever it is. How might we be able to listen to learn and to actually move our relationship forward with somebody? And if somebody comes back at you with defensiveness or, you know, they're not in a good space, maybe they're silent. There are some additional techniques that you can impact or you can put into play for those. We don't have enough time on the show for me to go into a lot of those. If you would like to, you can reach out to me. I'm happy to have conversations about that. That's something that I do, obviously, at Weller Collaboration. But how can we potentially listen for what's happening and maybe use some of these tools like nonviolent communication, that's another good one, to repeat back what people are sharing with us, why it matters, and how we can meet in the middle, how we can come to a point of truly getting out what we need to get out without alienating somebody. Or there's also a point where maybe you're going to say something that gets somebody upset, but if you are coming at it from an honest and sincere place, you are not blaming, you are not name calling, you are not judging, it changes the dialogue and it changes how you are approached by somebody. The other thing to think about is that maybe this isn't a conversation that you even want to have. And I know that sounds ridiculous because we're talking about courageous conversations. But if you want to have a conversation to prove something, is that potentially the right goal? Is that the objective that you really want out of engaging with somebody? If so, it's not really a conversation. It's a diatribe. It's a one-way you know, dialogue that you're having. You're not actually creating an exchange with somebody else. So as you sit down for holidays, as you are going to cocktail parties and meeting people, I really encourage you to think about how can you bring some curiosity how can you listen effectively to people and how might you be able to talk about things that are a little bit awkward or hard without falling into judgment of other people or yourselves? Not always an easy thing. I'm hoping that what we've talked about today gives you some inspiration to at least have some of those hard conversations. I do have some information on my website. There's a blog post called Having the Hard Conversation, which breaks out an effective way that you can be able to prepare for these while taking some notes, not writing a script because we're not writing scripts here. But there's a much larger set of tools that I am happy to share some more additional information with. Or if you are interested in learning more about nonviolent communication, please do because conversations are how we build relationships. They're how we actually meet people in the world. They're how we connect there. I mean, we do so many things as a result of conversations. And that's exactly why we are here today in conversation. So I really want to thank you all for listening. I hope that this has been insightful, maybe interesting, and hopefully helpful for you to have some of those courageous conversations over the holidays. I would love to hear your feedback. I would love to hear your thoughts. Please feel free to reach out on the Courage Effect website. That is thecourageeffect.com. There's a contact sheet there. But I wish you all 
wonderful holidays. I hope that you are able to really enjoy the time with others, that you're able to have some great exchanges, some fun conversations in addition to the courageous conversations. And maybe your courageous conversations will in fact turn into fun ones. So happy holidays. Thanks everybody. Stay courageous.